Let me just quickly pee and then I'll come back and tell that story. I think I would hang out with Joe Exotic. If you believe that, you're an idiot. AFI. Carol fucking basket! Backstage stories. Well, Mo, it's been another ridiculously long but strangely short week in quarantine. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing quite well. For the first time in six friggin' weeks, I'm I'm here since six weeks, just realized that yesterday. And for the first time, I got all my equipment, my audio equipment, which I need for work, set up in a way that it just does what it's supposed to do. <laughs> So it's running now. That took you six weeks. It took you six weeks to do it. Yeah, you know, I borrowed I borrowed different devices from from our um, from our friend Tim, who has the studio. Yeah, and none of those those things worked um, in a in a in a correct way with my computer. And now I ordered uh, right. my own audio interface, and I actually love it. And I've <laughs> never been a, a techie. But I am in this moment because I'm just in yeah. love with this little piece of gear <laughs> that works for me and does what it's supposed to do. It's strange, but that's my my Dude. that's the the stage of quarantine <clears throat> mood I'm in now. <laughs> the best, it, honestly, though, even not in quarantine, one of the best feelings in the world is when you get a very small but highly essential piece of technology and it just works yeah you know <laughs> you know you don't have to get an update yet or you don't have to like order some battery or some cable or like you look at a youtube video for how to get it set up but you just it just works and it's just such a nice feeling yeah you just plug it in and it works it, it happens it, yeah it happens so often when i i try to get uh some i don't know some pedal or some little knickknack or some techie nerdy thing and it just sits on my desk for months because i don't have this drive to figure out what's that small little thing that i need to get or i get lazy yeah plus i've Ugh. watched through since our last call i've watched all episodes of tiger king gotta admit the episode mm. eight the the kind yes. of what happened afterwards episode where they do the skype interviews yeah i fell asleep during this one but i've watched <laughs> i watched the, the the seven episodes that matter man Honestly, yeah, the, I think the least, yeah, the least important episode is probably the very, very last one because that's, I mean, for those who haven't watched it, what are you doing? Honestly, you're just at home, go watch it. But it's, it's, the last episode is kind of all very Googleable, Googleable things uh, that you could figure out are going on now. I mean, the last episode is kind of like, look, this is what's happening now. And the juicy stuff you just saw was the reason why this is happening now. So you saw all the really good stuff. What did you think about it? Did you, when you watched it, like for example, uh, a friend of mine watched it and they turned it off after one or two episodes because um, it's someone from from Germany and they said that they actually couldn't believe, like genuinely couldn't believe that the people were real, that the story was actually happening, and that any of these people are actually real people. I was like, no, 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 that's that's real America. That's that exists absolutely tenfold 100% and they were like if you believe that you're an idiot <laughs> um and i was like i mean of course of course some things are staged it is reality tv in a way but that what's happening like yeah. the people are real yeah. people and what do you think about it 
Yeah, that's that's a point I had a I, I had a, a long conversation conversation about with with Tony, my girlfriend, um, because she has her kind of problems in that direction with the with the series, and I actually think it's really it fucks you up in a in a very strange way. It's kind of disturbing in many many in many many um, scenes, but for me, it's. Um, regarding it from a from a point of view as as the regarding the, the the movie makers the documentarians it's it's a great job because I've never seen a documentary that felt so staged and so so fictionary <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah it's like it's a great storytelling film. for me and it's it's extremely good I mean the way they arranged it the way they cut it all together the way they build each episode into a different arc kind of another friend of mine from from america watched it and i think he referenced it kind of like you know when you're driving past a car accident on the highway and you know that you shouldn't look but it's so wrong and so so visceral and such an urge that you you have to slow down and you you just stare and you you don't want to see a body but you kind of do in a way it's kind of like a, some sort of dumpster fire strange dark addiction thing it's great though i mean it's a really it's a really fun show. yeah and i i watched the the last two episodes twice because i i was faster than tony and so she watched the last two episodes and i watched it again with her um yeah and it's been even better because i don't want to want to um spoil anybody but the events that take place within the last two episodes um you see them from another point of view when you know how it's going to end. And it was quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Do you feel like despite all the ridiculous... Or let's, let's ask this. Like, despite the ridiculous shit that Joe Exotic did, do you still think that you would rather... If you had to choose to hang out with him for a weekend or... Carol Carol fucking basket. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I would hang out with Joe Exotic. He's just more interesting, right? And he'll get you drunk. That's for sure. Yeah, and he. he and if if you're straight, he'll turn <laughs> that's you what gay. I wanna, that's what for I'm sure. <laughs> Eventually, he'll marry you. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, uh, all you need is a little bit of meth and a little bit of hope, and apparently, every Man, I was listening to um, I was listening to Tom Segura on his podcast talk about um, <laughs> talk about their reasoning, <laughs> like Joe Exotic's reasoning for how he turned uh, Travis gay, and his whole thing was like, "Well, do you watch porn?" And then Travis was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Well, when you're watching it, do you like to see the dude with the big one doing her, or the guy with the little one doing her?" And he was like, well, obviously you want to see the guy with the big one. And he's like, well, you ain't all that straight. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> you, you, you really locked him down with that logic. I mean, who doesn't? It's so insane. It's so insane to use you're that You're very logic good at um, naming his voice. <laughs> but, oh man, you know, well, the Wondery, Wondery this, this amazing um, podcast organization, uh, they... I don't know if you've heard it yet, but they released a six-episode saga about Joe Exotic. Ooh. Um, like, right around the same time Netflix released their Ooh, show. Oh, you got to send me this. 
it's really good. Um, the host is really good. It's really well crafted. Um, it's the only shame is that it's not longer. It's only six episodes. There's a, a few bonuses in between. Um, but it covers the story from a slightly different okay. angle and it, and it covers more information. So there's some things in the podcast that are not in the show, which is really cool. Um, but there's a great bit, I think in the first episode where they talk about how Joe was doing magic before he bought tigers, like basically doing magic shows led to him owning a tiger in a yeah. way. And, and the guy who assisted him was so funny. He was like, just because you referenced his voice, he was like, he's like, can you imagine this guy being a stage performer or an entertainer? I mean, you see the curtain open, this guy walks out and he looks, he looks exciting. You know, maybe he has like a very explosive, a, co- a colorful suit on. And, but then, you know, instead of hearing like, ladies and gentlemen, you get like, hey, I'm doing that. Oh, I'm going to make some magic fire. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And he's totally right. I got two more points. Um, first, mm-hmm. what I learned uh, through the Tiger King is I Oklahoma is not a place where you want to live. <laughs> That's what I realized. No. Um, and the second one is a question for not you. Not at all. Um, mm-hmm. Who, for you, who is the weirdest character in Tiger King besides Joe Exotic? Jesus. Jesus Christ. Um, well, the person that really stuck out the most to me, someone who I could easily have nightmares about forever is uh what's his name Bakle Bak oh ba- Doc Bhagavan Doc Antel same for me this guy dude he's so creepy I mean he has this enormous cult and he's of still, women. he still he, he still runs like, it he's still doing it yeah he's still doing it he's definitely doing cub petting he's definitely killing off these tigers it's it's so clear it's so crazy and he's just this like you know he had this hyper overconfidence about him do you realize you remember that like he would he spoke in this way of like i am the second coming of christ and you're welcome yeah you know he had this total personality that just turns me off so much you can see it within his his title around writing elephants what you said you can see it within his title title? what it is yeah but yeah and and doesn't it translate to like lord yeah something like that or it's unbelievable yeah I think the woman. I think the woman they, that they, the really cool woman that they interviewed, who left the cult. She explains it, and she was. I think she was the one. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, man. She's. I was so glad they got some woman from from inside to talk about the experience. And they're like, and he like lures in these young young girls, and I think he does kind of like a Harvey Weinstein thing, where he kind of convinces them that this is the normal thing, and if they want to live this exotic life that you know of glamour and tigers and whatever. Um, this is the kind of the kind of the the way to become the star is to to have sex with this big old sloppy seal. Man, he's just such a nasty looking guy. And you know, there's like that moment where he's in he's being interviewed and um he's he's wearing these like fisherman's shirts and he's holding he's holding the tiger chain and he's ta- talking to the camera and then the chain slips and it stains his shirt kind of and then he like barks at the woman and he's like, well, I guess, uh, I guess the chain wasn't cleaned properly. So I've ruined this shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's so weird. And you're like, he's, he's going to fucking put that lady in the basement and shut the door yeah. later. He's not going to let <laughs> yeah. her out. You know, it's so crazy. And what's weird. I, I've, Man. I've <laughs> today, I've seen the Instagram account of Joe Exotic's newest husband. Uh, I guess Dylan is his name. 
and oh, the, and he yeah. mm -hmm. used to hang out with um, Doc Antle before meeting Joe Exotic, and still does. Really, really. As far as oh as Instagram and the dates of the posts tell me. <laughs> I hope you're faithful, Dylan. The last thing Joe needs right now is a cheater. Come on, man. Not with Doc. Not with Doc. He's a greasy... He's such a tube of mayonnaise. Yeah. Come on. What a fucking ball of... But do you know what's the difference between Ugh. Germany and America? <laughs> I'm dying to know the answer to this. Um, I thought about this. <clears throat> because I was th was thinking about police a lot <laughs> after our our last conversation, and in Germany they would have get before before this whole TV show. If this all would have taken place, and if have um, having tigers would be legal even then, before this TV show right. would have been released, they would have arrested Doc Antle, they would have arrested Carol Baskin, they would have arrested Joe Exotic. <laughs> And none of this could have happened because they're fucking strict. <laughs> Man, yeah. Yeah, these people would not... I mean, the craziness within them would still exist and it would boil up and come out in these weird ways as it does uh, from some, you know, uh, constricted people. But this this particular lifestyle would not be allowed for sure. It's, it's unbelievable to see it. You know, and it just... Like when I... I've been living in Germany for four years now and like when I watch things like the tiger king there's a part of me that like occasionally remembers a life where that sort of thing wasn't so unbelievable and also like there's one foot in that where i go like ah but i know people like you know this helper with no legs the guy or the the janitor guy who just with the blonde hair who's like i don't give a fuck you know <laughs> like i know people like that too and then the other foot of mine is is here watching it You know, like <laughs> with German eyes kind of being like, these people need to be put away. Like, this can't be real. This is so like gross. I don't know. Yeah, what what distracts me the most from a from a German point of view and the system I'm living in is the fact that after this whole show, nothing happened. They do this eighth episode where they interview all of the all of the their um The participants in this plot, um, a few months after the whole, the whole, all of these events took place, and nothing happened to them. Wh how how can Doc Antle still be doing his thing? How can Carol Baskin, Carol fucking mm. Baskin, still run her her big cat rescue? And I'm like, what the fuck? What what are are is is the the the, the what is happening there? How could it be system wise? Yeah. It's unbelievable, man. I think these guys are really, really playing the game to the best of their ability. Like, Joe got sloppy. Joe was, like, openly asking asking people to murder another person. And it was so clear and so obvious. And you didn't even need this, like, jet ski, like, Cartman-looking motherfucker to go undercover <laughs> or whatever. You know, like... <laughs> you know, That's like, exactly it! it <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it looks like Cartman got old have you seen this um, this It's, meme I had in my Instagram story with him uh, I don't remember what, wait uh, what a second I have to I have to find it it's it's super funny because obviously there are many Tiger King meme pages now 
since the the release oh, of the God, show. Yeah, and it's candy. It's candy. It's, it's perfect. Pure yeah. comedy gold. <laughs> and it, there's a meme. Why? Yeah. While you look that up, I'll just explain. I think that um, with the people who aren't Joe, like he he got so sloppy, and I think the other people have played like Jeff Lowe. I think for some reason, just the way he plays this game and the way he dealt with like the lawsuits and stuff, he just plays the loophole just enough. And maybe he'll get busted and go to jail someday. I think Jeff Lowe would be next. But with Carol Baskin, I don't think she's ever going to be put away unless they find uh, Don Lewis's uh, bones in the tiger shit or something. Yeah. But. I mean, she's got, I mean, Don, or no, uh, Howard, her new guy, who is a soup, who is a whole different <laughs> conversation of insanity. You know, he has an MBA from Harvard. He has a, a master's degree in, in business yeah. from Harvard. So, like, no wonder he was so clever with uh, busting down these idiots in Oklahoma. What's, uh, that, yeah. what's the meme? You remembered Howard? There's also a lot of memes um, with him, but the meme, um, <laughs> I totally lost it. Um, Ed was... A screenshot of the Cartman-looking guy explaining something in his interview in this kind of garage or where he sits, you know, in this red T-shirt, with the subtitles. Yeah, yeah. And then the meme says, when your stoner roommate refuses to do their dishes. And then there's the subtitles. So I signed up to be a confidential informant. <laughs> so I signed up to be a confidential informant. And there's also another <laughs> I love super... That's I so gotta good. send you some of those, and maybe idiot. we can we can we can share some of them with the Artsy immigrants account. There's also, do you remember this image yeah. of Howard and Carol Baskin, where he has this? How could this I kind forget, of, man? The wedding, yeah, the wedding photo? photo, and it says, "When the pussies bomb, and you don't want to get fat to the tigers," and then you see him. <laughs> so woo! But enough so good, about man. The, the most yeah? like sorry. Uh, the last thing, the last thing, I just had to say, like, the most disgusting thing I've ever heard another human being say, ever, was when Jeff Lowe was sitting there with his, uh, I think it was his girlfriend wife. or his wife at the time, Laura or Lauren with the red hair, and he's holding a, a pet cub, and they're talking about how they would take the cubs to these hotel rooms and, like, get all these girls to want to come in and take the photos and, like, pay all the money, and they explain the whole process. And then Jeff Lowe, ugh, ugh, he, sa he just sounds like he's just, like, salivating to say this, but he's kind of like, you know what they say, a little pussy gets you a lot yeah. of pussy. <laughs> and he just see, he, like, even the wife, like, every, the whole mood is kind of like, Ugh. Ugh. I found it even worse when he talked Jesus. about the nanny they would get because his wife was pregnant. And she's like, what, 14? <laughs> I mean, this guy's are so yeah. gross. It's but guys, so, gross, so you got to see the Tiger King. Um, let's let's leave that yes. topic. But I got one last thing I um, wanted to ask. If you've listened to the podcast, do you know the podcast Reply All by Gimlet? Yes, I, I was just shown that a month ago. I think it's great. Um, and have you have you heard this one particular um, episode, number one hundred and eighty at one hundred and fifty eight, the case of the missing hit? The some some newspapers like the Guardian um, headline: "This could be the greatest podcast episode ever." Um, and have you listened oh to it? That was the first one I heard, yeah, because someone told me to check out that episode. That was the first one. And man, it's great storytelling. It's really great. It's super amazing. To anyone who's not listened to this yet, we can recommend this, even if 
Gimlet is a big player and a big commercial play- player. They've been sold to Spotify for $230 million last year. Wait, wait, wait. Spotify bought Gimlet for $230 yes. million? Dollars? Oof. Oof. That's a lot of cheese. Um, but even though they are a humongous corporation now, um, yes, we can't recommend that enough. Reply All's Case of the Missing Hit. And I have to thank my friend Lindsay for suggesting that to me. That was, uh, that was a really good st- uh, show. That my only thought actually about the... Um, I forget the... I haven't heard that many episodes, so I forget the name of the two hosts. I think it's Andrew and something. But um, I listened to maybe eight or nine episodes of their show, which to be fair, you know, they have... Uh, over 150 episodes so you can't really gauge too much from just just a few episodes but i have this weird feeling about like sometimes they they bicker like they argue with each other and sometimes it genuinely to my innocent ears really sounds like they don't like each other and sometimes <laughs> I, I get it in my head where i'm listening i'm like these guys fucking hate each other what are they doing on here like is it for the money or are they strapped down to the show now like why are they doing it why don't they do something else and i mean the bickering is like so harsh sometimes yeah. i don't know if anyone else listeners feels that don't way, imagine but. jordan and me being friends aside of this podcast <laughs> you gotta keep business separate man you gotta keep it separate Oh man, but yeah, that's a really that's a really cool one. They they had a couple of different um, really special like just the the concept of their show is really cool. But um, not to recommend another podcast for no money much longer. Uh, I was just thinking like, um, you know, you you grew up in the south part of Germany, and I grew up in the south part of America, but we both, um, when times are normal, are living yes. in Munich. But you didn't grow up in Munich, so actually, I'm, since I'm stuck here and I'm I'm just um, now I'm I'm back actually uh, in Munich, and and today was my first time, you know, taking a small step out of the door and kind of like getting some sunlight and just noticing how the conditions are here for, for since COVID nineteen took over. Um, I was just thinking to myself, like, I wonder what it was like to come to a city like this as a as a German boy. Like, do you remember like one of your first trips? To Munich, like as a kid, was it like a special event? Um, let let me think. Um, I can tell you one thing that most of my friends, um, as you you got to know, Oberstdorf, where I'm at the moment, where my parents lived, where I grew up, is not that far away from Munich. It's like 200 kilometers, something like that. Um, and most of my friends have have been to Munich on a regular basis every now and then, and I have not done this as a as a kid i don't know why but i had family wise some connection to other cities like augsburg um but i've not, not been to munich that um that many times so it was something special moving there because it it was so close but still such an unknown place for me uh but as a kid i remember yeah a few times i've been there but Oh, in occasions like being invited to see a soccer match together with my dad or something like that, and you wouldn't actually see that much of the city, and not even not even get a, a little blink of what life there could be. Did you really not? Um, I guess you really never moved here until after you finished uh, gymnasium, right? After you finished high school, yeah. I moved right. to Munich, I think, two months after my, my degree. 
um, and it was wild for me. <laughs> I was, I was fe- really. What was the feeling like when you find, like, you settle into the big city and you're like, okay, all right, time's up, let's do um, it. It was super weird in a way because um, I gotta say, I, I had a phase where I actually did know what to do after after high school and. Um, I don't know if I have to explain the the educational system of Germany, but um, I think we've, we've covered, covered that, that before. before but there's not this this um, this gap between college and university. It's kind of the same thing. It's just university, and I didn't I didn't know what to do. And then somehow I I was like, yeah, let's let's just move somewhere. And I didn't want to move that far at that point because at that point I was still very very Oberstdorf bound and my, my my life was taking place there so in the first month when I um, after I moved to Munich I would I would um, ride home every weekend which I don't do now it happens that I've not I cannot visit my parents for several several months or something like that but it was weird because I it was kind of paradox because it was so close and I knew many people that have lived in Munich and some that do live in Munich, but none of my 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 um my schoolmates would move there. So I was kind of the the only one moving there at that time. And I was like, yeah, let's just um enroll for German language studies, go to university, see what happens, meet some people. That was your, that was your first major was German language yeah. studies. Oh, okay, so you were uh, interesting. So you were actually going to study German before you went into um, broadcasting. Yeah. Um. I, oh man, I didn't know that. Yeah, I started that, and I thought, yeah, this will be cool. University and stuff, meeting meeting new people, and it's a big city. Obviously, you got to meet people. But actually, yeah, it's a big I've switch, never, right? Um. Regarding the situation from my point of view now, I've never been that lonely in my life like I've been in my within my first six or f- five or six months in Munich. Yeah, really. Because I I I, 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 I didn't totally find any that. connection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I think that's the same for whenever anyone moves from you know the town that they grew up in. It could be a small town or a big town or something. But when you have you know, you know everybody, you're really, you know, you're close or whatever with your family or you're around your family a lot. And you have this sort of foundation and this comfort and this familiarity with where things are. And you don't even have to think about, you know, when you're driving down a street, you just know based on, I don't know, like such simple cues and codes where your next left and next right turn are and everything's just smooth and really comfortable. And I had two pretty huge moves in my life. And I'd say one was from my very small town uh, in Mississippi to New Orleans. That was a big change. And I was a bit luckier about finding friends and connections there than it seems like you did just because New Orleans is a just a very family, community-based city. And um, my, as soon as I was there, I started my university and it was a, at a film school with a music department and everyone just included other people pretty quickly and it didn't take long um before i was and i was also staying in a dorm situation at the university with with people who were 
you know, even if they didn't stay really close friends, they were very friendly and we had cool times together and it ended up, you know, I was meeting them and it led to meeting other people that became closer friends. So that was um, definitely an easier transition. But then from America to Germany is where I completely connect with you and can can see that point uh, 100% because, um, you know, I moved here and, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a foundation even of language anymore. There was no sense of where was north or south or, you know, where the town, like where the hip part was or where the young part was or anything like I had no bearing. I just knew my street. I really just knew my street for the first few months. And I remember like taking the, the underground train and asking people that I was with, like, how many more stops until this? How many more stops until now? How many, how, you know, I, I just didn't have a, a sense of like, oh, I'm here. So three stops easy. You know, like I, I had no sense of how long things were taking. And I just, it just took me so long to make friends, man. I was drinking beer like every night, trying to go to like open mics. I was playing a lot of small club, you know, free shows, just trying to meet musicians. And eventually that led to me meeting our, our drummer, Mark. Um, he was one of the first friends I ever had here, but it just, it's just a crazy, uh, it was just a crazy time. So I can totally connect with that feeling like having this huge gap once you first get to a new city. But thankfully uh, that, that changed, you know? So how did it change for you? Like, you know, who were your first friends or did you also have a friend group that led to other people that you were closer to? Um, I guess it did in a second, but, but first of all, um, (laughs) it had a lot of, a lot of, it had a lot to do with expectations because, um, like like you mentioned in New Orleans at college or university, this whole dom situation, the whole community situation, is something completely different from from uh, universities in Germany. No single student lives on campus sites. Um, you don't have the whole sports thing or bands or whatever creates a kind of community. Um, of course, you have those 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 student um, houses. Where there are dorms, but they're they're not directly connected to what you're studying or what university. There's three um, in 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 Munich. Where do you where do you study? So it's it's more loose, and you you got to find your own thing. And I didn't really expect it. I was naive. I got got admit. Um, and that hey, everybody is around. And that, that time. was the what that was the issue. And I actually hated Munich. That's what I did, and then that's a really funny story. And I, <laughs> I don't think I did tell them to that many people. Um, so I was in Munich, was hating it there <laughs> from Monday till Friday. Then I was riding home back to Oberstdorf and was like, "Yeah, let's get back to to my life and meet my friends." Reality was most of them were studying in I don't know Berlin, Hamburg, v- Vienna, where, wherever. Um, right, right. So it was a. a pretty desperate time and then at some point i was so desperate that i connected with some people i didn't know before kind of blind date um through the do you know the app yodel uh it's kind of anonymous version of twitter that used to be a big thing in germany four five years ago um how does, how does it work <sighs> It's, it's basically a yeah kind of, imagine it like Twitter, but but is, people, 
people being more honest and telling more personal stories because of um, because they're un that it's, it's anonymous. anonymous. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Reddit. Yeah, yeah, something between Reddit and and Twitter, maybe. Okay. Um, okay. But without any 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 chat option, so everything you type is public. Oh um, shit! Okay, wow. And there was a group of uh, two people who were like, "Yeah, we want a new, uh, we want to meet new people for going out because we're new in Munich and we don't know where to go, what bars, etc." And I was reading it and was like, "No, you're never gonna do that kind of bullshit." And then I was like, "Yeah, but I don't know any people." And then um, I was at, at at university anyway, and they were like, "Yeah, let's meet in front of the the LMU University. Do you know you know where there's this big fountain?" In front of the university, right? Yeah, let's meet there at I don't know six mm thirty, -hmm. and I had um, classes until I don't know six fifteen, and so I was like, okay, let's just walk by there <laughs> incognito and see if there are cool people, and if yes, <laughs> join them; if not, go home. And actually, I've met with them. Okay, that's a fair trade. Um, yeah. <laughs> and somehow, I don't know the details, but somehow I've connected with a few of them, and there was like. We were building a group that met once a week from this point on. That was that was pretty cool. But I really felt that I could be at home and feel at home at this place, Munich, which was still still strange for me. After I started at M94.5 and made friends mm -hmm. there. Crazy. Man, I didn't know that it took took so long, actually. But it makes sense. It does make sense. I think it's very easy to hate a new place. Like, even if it's a perfectly unhateable city, you can just hate it because you don't feel comfortable. You know? I, it was funny, though. I my, One of my first experiences in New Orleans that I remember so vividly was there was, like, a group of people that I was becoming close with. And I was at their house. So, in New Orleans, at the University of New Orleans, across the street in front of the school and I I can't believe I'm blanking on Lakeshore Drive. Yes. So across the street from Lakeshore Drive is basically what you could imagine to be like a student's suburb in a way. So you, you have um, a normal looking suburb. The houses are a bit cheaper looking. There's like one section that's more expensive that's connected to the school somehow. It was um, there's two or two or three different ones like that. Like privateer place was one apartment complex if you wanted to feel like you're living in an apartment. But those were just more expensive and they also were kind of pieces of shit. So you were better off either living in the dorm or living in a house with your friends and like p paying your own rent that way. And um, there was one person I was getting closer with and they had a house in these streets across from the school. So one evening, um, I remember I, I walked out of the dorm across the street and went to their house and it was like a normal college party. It wasn't like a big, it wasn't like a big thing. I think it was like a weekday situation. We were just, um, they had an upstairs and a downstairs. So it was just maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 people just, just hanging out. Um, they were all musicians or they were all, you know, trying to decide what they wanted to do with their lives. Everyone was either, you know, pretty um, philosophical, if I can say that, because that's a very college perspective, at least in America, to be like, oh, I'm I'm thinking deeper about how my life 
is meant to float wildly amongst those and graze the flowers of time. You know, it's just kind of a very easy mindset. So it was, there was a few hippie people there and like um, a very good time though, very lovely people and I'm um, very thankful for all this experience, but very easy to make fun of in retrospect. And um, there was a guy there who was always like the weed guy and <laughs> just just comparing like first experiences. Um, and the back part of the, of the house, they had like a small, uh, a small staircase and then they had some uh, a yard like a grassy area and next to the stairs before you went outside there was a very small room with a little sofa and a few of us were just sitting there with that door open getting some fresh air and just smoking and, and drinking some beers and i remember this one friend loaded up his bowl and he gave me the pipe and i i had smoked weed before obviously but i guess i just wasn't used to pot in in this city or this amount or this strain or you know college smoking is kind of like a whole new thing if you're going to get into it it's like a whole it's a whole lifestyle kind of and these guys they gave me this pipe and i and i hit this bowl and immediately passed out (laughs) my god man my god you remember that story you told on the last one about you hit the hookah with the vodka and the weed inside Okay, so I didn't pass out, but oh my God, I wish I would have. (laughs) I wish I could have just slept it right off. I remember being so, so crazy high. (laughs) So high that I had to, I I kept apologizing to everybody because I couldn't talk anymore. (laughs) And that's the thing. I'm I'm very thankful for them because they were really cool about it. They're like, no problem, man. And I, haven't told I laid down years. on a sofa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're talking, but with their brains, like they're telekinetically speaking to me. <laughs> we don't talk here. And I laid down on someone's sofa and I, I remember I stared at the ceiling and I was just rubbing my tongue a- across the, the t- my, my top teeth. And in my, my, it was so like the sensation was so crazy for me that I, I was closing my eyes and I was picturing that my tongue was like this giant sea creature rising out of a stormy ocean and like this the clouds above me instead of being like really translucent and easy to pass through they were kind of like rock or stone kind of like mountain and and they, the sea monster was like rising up out of the ocean and like like slamming all, all these rocks above my head. And I'm, I'll just never forget that feeling. Of, and see, that I still have that picture in my head when I think about that, about that time. And it's such a crazy feeling of like being so beyond your control stoned that licking your teeth feels like that. And um, yeah, I stuck with those guys. <laughs> I stuck with those guys for a while. <laughs> Did you talk to them? I was, I was pretty... <laughs> Ever? Uh well, I told, yeah, I stayed, I stayed pretty close with those guys for the majority of my college years, I'd say. And then I, and then I found like a group connected to them that I found myself even closer to. And that became, uh, some of the people from the band Big Lemois that I was in. So that the, these people led to me being in that band. So very, very thankful for that time, but it was a really, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of weed. <laughs> but, um, coming back to, to, to living situations, um, because I told you, right. I have not experienced this the student dorm stuff, etc. But I was living in a in a house in 
in Lyme. I had a very, very, very one-room flat um, there in Lyme. Do you know Lyme at the Western Munich? Yeah. And yeah, there it was. It was no student dorm, but it was somehow. Um, it was super small flats for people who, who basically couldn't afford living in Munich. So students, as like a, like assisted assisted living. No, 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 no. It's just like <laughs> it's very cheap. They. It's um, four floors, and in each floor there used to be two, two flats um, the size of of your flat in Munich, maybe. And they split it those two flats each floor ah. into four separate rooms, and in this room, it was like mine had like thirteen square meters or something, but you had a little you had a oh little kitchen within it. Um. And you would share the the bathroom and the toilet was separate um, with three other people, and they was living like yeah, like poor people, like students. I don't know. That sounds really yeah. That sounds really unemployed hard, people. Or it just sounds really frustrating. And guest guest workers from from Eastern Europe um, and stuff. And I don't want to bring up too much cliches, but I've lived through a lot of shit. And shit by shit, I mean literal shit. The girl living next door shitted in the fucking shower several times. <gasps> More than once? More than once. I was one so happy when I that? could when I finally found another flat and could move out of it. There was so many crazy Wait, 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 wait. She shit in the ba- in the tub. Yeah. And then no one kicked her out, and then she did it more than the one time she did it again. Yeah, and at the point I was what do you say to her? At the point, she she was she was um, like self isolating herself, um, and around the time I was moving out because I finally found a cool um, shared flat where I still live today. Um, yeah, she should have been legally kicked out, but she um, at this point in her for her room she changed the the lock at her at her. Um, the door, uh, the door of her room so the landlord yeah. couldn't get in and i think actually in the end they 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 broke the door to get her out super weird situation and those tiny oh tiny rooms and i haven't i haven't cooked anything with garlic or onions in those two years i lived there because i just wouldn't dare because afterwards my whole bed sheets would smell after because your bed is like half a meter away from your kitchen that's also why i've never invited people to oh, my man. place never Come on. <laughs> yeah sure sure i totally know that feeling i guess Absolutely. i guess the only oh pe- God, the only yeah. person who's who's been there a few time has been my my ex-girlfriend but i never invited anyone else um to visit me there because it was just sh- such a shitty place and there were it was not only it was only well, not only poop in the in the in the bathroom but in the in the room next to mine at some point there um, lived, I don't know. It was it was changing like every week. At first, there lived a guy who was also a student who, and he and who was cool. I was sharing the Wi-Fi with him, with him, but I we we were cool, but we didn't have a, a deeper connection. And then at some point, he yeah. he had a semester abroad and r- rented the room to his uncle or some something. And his uncle was a guest worker from Romania, I guess. And from that point mm-hmm. on, there used to live eight people in a room 
of 11 or 13 square meters. At, in some weeks. Sometimes it, it would be only two, but Dude. sometimes it would be like eight people, literally eight people. And I had a very small part of a balcony and those guys were were having barbecues on their tiny part of the balcony and afterwards were Man, throwing their, their so trash on my side of the balcony. So... There oh, were, come on. There were oh, only on. shitty things happening in this... And it's flattened. It was also a huge factor why I didn't didn't feel well in Munich and didn't feel at home and hated the city because I had no oh, yeah. no friends, no social connections to anyone besides my my professors at at university or something. And the shitty living situation. It was it was tough. And I and also I I got to a point that something that changed after I'm I I'm, I moved to my new flat because I never spent mm-hmm. time in my room there when I didn't have to. So I was only there to sleep, basically. Yeah, of course. It sounds like a shithole. And that's the only the only advantage I took of the situation because I explored um, big parts of the city very, very fast because I just didn't want to hang out at home. Dude, I mean, that makes complete sense to me. It makes complete sense to me that you would have hated being there, that it would have connected to your feelings about the whole city. I mean, no question, man. No question. That makes total total sense yeah i i guess yeah both times i guess i was more lucky with my first experiences because i mean thankfully when i was here it was for a very lovely lady and we had our own apartment we shared it with with a monster but we got out of there pretty quickly and i didn't have to see the roommate too often and it was still all fine and good um but man i'm so sorry that's so crazy but was well, that I mean, the flat? so in, after you got this um, sorry was that the flat in tegernsee landstraße or one before that that's right. Yeah, that was so that was a cool flat. I really liked that apartment. It had really nice sunlight. It, for me, it felt very, like, as an American, it felt very European, yeah. that apartment. The one that I'm in now feels like it could be in, in any country. Like, if it wasn't for the windows and the doors and the metric system, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be, like, very technically German looking, <laughs> I guess. Um, because it's kind of a m- more modern place and it's a bit bigger. But the, um, the other apartment for me was, like, so tastefully european if that makes sense like the bathroom was really uncomfortable but it was really cute and like kind of attractive in in like a wes anderson way the the bathtub was pretty attractive to me always yeah i'd say so uh he had a very nice little connection to that bathtub (laughs) he took a shit in it (laughs) i'm kidding i'm kidding um but like the whole you know like the way the kitchen was built and our bedroom and the upstairs part was all very cool and very well designed and I really liked that place. I just wish we I wouldn't have even have minded leaving that building if it wasn't for the for the roommate that we had to get away from, but that's a whole different story. But like after you were back at you you were working at M94.5 um you know, what was the first like experience? You know, you had just gotten out of that shitty place, you're in a new apartment now, you're at the new job. You know, what was the first moment where you're like I don't know if you're sitting with a beer at the river or something. What was your first experience where you were like, you know what? I think I'm really going to vibe with this city. I think this is going to be totally the place for me. So you you got you to gotta split that. Um, I moved out of this shitty flat after my first year at right. 94.5. So oh, you had already, you had already yeah. been there for a so year. So it didn't okay. happen okay. Um, around the same time. But regarding this one moment... I think it was kind of 
what you described with a beer at the riverside um and it was a really hot summer yeah. day i guess and we were we were jumping into the river and it was yeah i guess a, a month or something after i started in 94.5 and made some friends there pretty pretty fast pretty quick um and been there with uh, two or three of them and that was the point because because of the people because i i i saw, i i knew most of the 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 parts of munich where they would where, where they would take me and stuff they they would do before but just from another point of view and those people showed me that you can actually live and enjoy here and enjoy this place and do fun stuff and you'll right. find you'll find right. um cool bars you have a lot of green areas i mean the yeah the englische garten in munich is is the the biggest um park within a city worldwide um so you can you can hang out That's there crazy. in the summer yeah. or whatever and you you'll find all the, all the spots you you could you could like and you definitely can fall in love with the city but just took me a long time because i didn't have the people around me to to show me from that point of view and by that i mean i mean right. people who were in a comparable situation to to mine i obviously i knew people that lived that lived in, in munich and that enjoyed it there but those were people in a completely different um at a completely different point in life yeah yeah that's a good point i think for a lot of people who come to munich who aren't born and raised here that probably one of their better first experiences is at the river <laughs> you know because if it wasn't for this for this long river cutting through the heart of it i don't know that munich would even be the same city you know what i mean it's such a it's such a um like a gravitational place it just pulls everybody in towards it like i don't know if it's this inherent desire to be near fresh water or if it's just because it's very pretty and very well everything's very well designed around it and stuff it's very picturesque but um yeah i mean starting from around now you know april or may until maybe end of september or so it's going to be the, the hot spot for anybody uh living in munich and hopefully the restrictions on corona don't hold that back for too much longer um maybe you know who knows who knows really i mean all major events are closed Dude, until you know the what? end of july as of now but we'll see you know what we should do i'll grab i'll, I'll grab two of those those tiny recording devices and we'll record an episode the first time we can go out again and have a beer at the riverside what you say about this that's a great idea That's a really great idea. Yeah, let's do that. Maybe, hopefully it's this summer sometime and not next year. <laughs> <laughs> I I hope we can do it this summer. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, me too. That's a good idea. We can like really give a nice sound, you know, like a soundscape of what it actually is like to be out there. But I think for me really too, that was one of the first places where I connected to it as a city. Because once you're there, you know, where where my place is located if you're sitting at the river, you're between these two pretty popular bridges. And so you see the traffic going over these nice bridges and you see this giant church in the distance. And like Mo said, it's, it's very green and you know, it's really like long, full stretches of grass and plenty of space for everybody. And you hear dogs barking and you hear bicycle bells 
and there's just a, a really cool little kiosk right next to the one of the really popular bridges and you know you can get really cheap beer there and one of my favorite things about the city is kind of how there's kind of this unspoken agreement between the homeless and the and the non-homeless i I'm not, but like um how you know they have like their own little business where you can just leave all of your bottles yeah, and because cans of the deficit on where yeah they they pick it up and often the cool thing is often a lot of um people will come up with a cooler of fresh cold beers and be like hey are you done with that bottle do you want yeah. a new one and like bring this service up to you. That's for me, that was, uh, I'd never seen that before. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, and in any other city I have experienced when you, I don't know, you're, you're, um, you're on your way with some friends and you want to have some beers, but there, there are more people to come. So you're like, okay, let's get a case of beer. Like there's 20, 20 inside of it. And in any other city I've been, it's like, wow, shit, but we have to carry it around all the time. And what do we do with the empty case and the empty bottles? In Munich, you just grab a case of beer, go to the riverside, put the case in the river to cool it, drink it. Yeah. And afterwards, you just, you can leave it where it is. Or if you're cool, bring it to the next guy who's who's picking it up for the deposit. And that's that's the yeah. the... the for me, the best working economic system within Europe. Yes, that's actually <laughs> a very functional, relaxed business that just works yeah. great for everybody. I mean, I had never seen that before either. Like putting the case of beer, like, you know, between a collection yeah. of rocks in the flowing river. And it just, it's this constant cold, constant, constant cold moving water. Yeah. It's so cool. The beer stays fresh and cold uh potentially forever yeah. by the way for all the people who wonder okay how could you could you swim within the river in the middle of the city it's a uh, very cold water and it runs pretty fast so it's very clean because all of the dirt um flows away um yeah and you don't have any issues so i wouldn't recommend i don't know <laughs> jumping into the hudson river or some other big city rivers but in munich <laughs> you can do it and that's a great thing <laughs> Yeah, that that's maybe another um, a huge point that I'm, I might have missed in talking about why it's so gravitational. But yeah, you can swim in it, and a lot of people do, and it's wonderful. And I, do you know if the um, near the Fraunhoferstrasse, this this island yeah. in the middle, is that man made? I don't know. That's, that would be something interesting to know for the next episode to to research. But um, there's this really cool island between these two bridges near my house that people often swim to it. There's, um, they can have picnics there. They can put like rope swings and jump off of it back into the river. And it's, that's really cool. Um, and there's a good spot there near the Island where you can, you can jump right in and it's pretty deep. I'd say like two meters deep and swim like with the water pretty far. And then when you get past that Island, the water thins up to about ankle like ankle depth and you can just st like step up and walk back yeah. out to where you were. And that's really cool. That's really refreshing. If you, if you're on a really, really hot summer day and you're getting kind of drunk and you're getting kind of sunburned and you just really want to refresh yourself, just s s jump in head first, splash, go all the way down and then float. I don't know, 30 seconds or a minute further down and then get up and walk back to where you were. And it's just like waking up. 
completely new like wow yeah but since we're re- responsible podcasters to all the kids out there don't drink and swim <laughs> yeah well of course but i didn't mean at the same time <laughs> but by the way um it's it's a pity i can understand it from a from an environmental point but that they restricted the whole the whole thing with the inflatable boats have you ever done this uh, I haven't done it, but I know about it. They what? Tell tell them what it is, and then tell me why they restrict. So it, you I don't can. Know. <laughs> um, it's a thing a lot of younger people would do. They would um, get an inflatable boat, and maybe a second inflatable unit. I don't know, like the swimming rings or whatever, for a case of beer. Then um, take the S-Bahn out of the city, <laughs> like twenty kilo- kilometers away. Then get. In the boat, get a case of beer in the little ring, adjust it to the boat, and let yourself flow until you're back in the city. And um, Dave, yeah, it sounds. I mean, it's, in, in theory, it sounds like an amazing summer day. And you, <laughs> you st- are you still allowed to 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 ride in boats on the river? But they restricted the areas because of um, at some locations because there are special fish breeding or whatever. So that's you can understand that, uh, but you would also see yeah, very fair. funny things okay. happening on those boats. Last last summer, I saw a canoe um, flowing past Fraunhofer Bridge, and in there there was sitting like of a kind of a gypsy music trio with a banjo, like a no way. I don't know the instrument, accordion, accordion, uh, the accordion, and mm-hmm. a fucking upright bass in a canoe. Oh no yeah, way, man! That's so laying, cool. Um, from the from the from the rear end of the boat until the middle, and the guy was playing it like this, and they were making awesome sound. I was like, "Don't they fear that the fucking bass drowns into this river?" But you see, oh man, I will be terrified. You see, many spectacular things happen there. But one thing I've always been jealous yeah. um, about, or I've been jealous on you, is the 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 spots where you have lived yet in Munich. Because both of your flats are in the flats you lived in. You're jealous of the in, You're jealous of the two two places yeah, I've lived so are far. In great in the, locations. Okay. <laughs> That's true. It's been very lucky. It's been very lucky. Oh like the, the old apartment that I moved into when I first came here was all like this chain of events over years. Like um, you know, Efi's brother lived there when he was in college, like T- 10 years ago and then it was given to their cousin and then he went to school there and then when he moved out i think someone else lived there that was connected to them and then Evie lived there after she came back from america and then she stayed there until i came and then she had so many issues with this other roommate that that we we got out of there and honestly i feel even more lucky to be here because now it's you know it's just our place it's amazing flat you know it's we're so lucky you know it's all it's all um it's for me it's a great location yeah you can just like earlier today i just went for a walk literally to the river that we're talking about because um you know they they allow you to to walk on your own or with um with someone you're living with and um i just walked down there and um just got a little sunlight some fresh air came back and um you know that's just like a like a five or maybe even less like 
10 or 10 minutes less or so walk or something. It's so we're super lucky with um, how everything is organized here with the location. So yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, there's definitely, you know, far the further outskirts of Munich that could feel like any city. And the, you know, they kind of even remind me of like some Eastern European cities. They're not, you know, it's all modern. It's like post seventies yeah. architecture. And it's really flat and gray and square. And that's a lot of stuff I've seen before. When I first visited Munich, we lived um, at Olympia Einkaufszentrum. Oh, that's next to my place. Yeah. And next to that BMW uh, museum is a stretch of like college uh, communal housing, yeah. like for athletes. And we were in there and it's it's a real dump. Man. Ah, you lived in the, real... in the Olympiadorf. It's it's the I Olympic so. village. So the every at every Olympic Games, the city it's in has to build this kind of village where all the athletes live, and those. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we stay. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. those are the remainings of the the Olympic Games in Munich in seventy two. Seventy two. Yeah, that's it. So it's kind of cool to like. See, I mean the the architecture of the. Um, of the arena, the Olympic uh, arena is breathtaking yeah. and it's super, super unique. And the whole unique. park is pretty cool. But the apartment, yeah. The Olympic park. The park is cool, yeah. There's like a water world and stuff, like a aquarium and stuff. Um, there was cool things to do and, you know, it, it wasn't the worst situation for sure, but the apartment itself was extremely small and was definitely made for yeah. one person. I know these and, kind of apartments. Um, the good thing is now that Yeah, it just wasn't meant for two people, especially one person who's trying to, you know, live abroad and like explore a city. Yeah. It was like, where the fuck are we? Why does it seem like everything is a parking lot? You but know? that's not. It has to be like certain neighborhoods. But you know? that's something I want to hear more about because we have, even off mic, we've never talked about it. Your first visit to Munich. Uh, the very, very first one. Um, let me just quickly pee and then I'll come back That's and tell cool. that story. I gotta do the same thing. All right. You know what I think we should do? What I think we should do is uh, in that gap, I mean, we can shorten the gap, of course, but uh, put like a little jingle, like a we'll be right back jingle. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. That was necessary. And we were back at the exact same second. We're true pee pals. 
But yeah, you asked about my my first uh, experience in Munich ever. So I think, and this was part of uh, kind of a big European trip, and it was my first experience to to see basically anything outside of America ever. And so I was, you know, I saw it was a really lucky trip. I got to see Germany, Austria, Switzerland, France, and Spain. And I'm I might be wrong, but I think even part of Italy. But I think I might be wrong about the Italy part. But anyway, it was a a really nice um, journey through Central Europe and like seeing some really cool cities and like the farmlands and just being so astounded by how pretty it all was. And um, just a classic like American in college goes to Europe sort of uh, situation. Did you already finish finish college at that time? No, I was still there. I think um, I still had... I still had one and a half for two more years to go. So this was just a big summer break and I maxed out a credit card and just came <laughs> to Europe. And um, it was great. It was a really amazing experience. And I think I saw this apartment, this Olympia Einkaufszentrum apartment then on that trip, but not for very long. So I didn't think too much about it. I think I, I, I was there, I looked out and you know, I had the the most I ever really knew about Munich was from this Steven Spielberg movie Munich. So I just remember, you know, looking at the at the uh, Olympic arena and thinking about the terrorism f- from the seventies during the Olympics, and being like, "Oh my God, that you know that happened right there," and "Oh, that happened over there," and being kind of shocked by it. And um, I think we, of course, went through like the Marienplatz and saw, you know, like the the nice old uh, architecture and the statues and the fountains and I saw the river and stuff. But for me, honestly, that whole first experience blends into itself because I was just in this innocent, wide-eyed stage of of astonishment at the entire experience. You know, the whole thing was one drunken, you know, um, stumbling sort of, my jaw was agape and I was dragging my feet sort of thing. You know, the whole... The whole time was really, really, really fun and and really cool. Um, so the first real, real Munich experience was was just part of this whole big tourism thing. But there was um there was a, a second trip before I moved. I think it was in it must have been Christmas, two thousand fourteen. Yes, I visited again to concrete the idea that I would be moving here. And to solidify any sort of confusion between, you know, me and Ethie and about the, the plan and everything. And that's when for like a week, we stayed in this Olympia um, oh. apartment. And man, yeah, for, you know, she was living there for a real short time. And then she went to this other place. And um, that was where I had some some doubts like, oh, man, this is really, this feels like such a weird city. Because, I, I mean, I was coming right out of New Orleans in this great location and everything is all like, you know, you have this community feeling and it was all colorful and eventful and I had these bands and everything was kind of like popping and like, you know, fresh. And then I go to Munich and I'm, I, I, you know, one side of me is this empty stadium and the other part is, um, you know, it felt like kind of empty and like all the buildings right there are kind of gray and... Um, I think on your side of it, it's much better, but I didn't get to see that side until like years yeah. later where you get to see like some greenery and like some cool things. But um, 
Yeah, the last time that we picked you up for a concert, I had never even seen that that part of the of the area before. Yeah, that's a cool area, and um, the the thing about that is yeah. that it's been an own little town until I don't know thirty years ago, and you still you still can feel that at some points. So it has its kind of own vibe, and that's that's also cool. And you got a cool things there, but I I know a lot of those in between places, in between those different parts of the city where social life happens or I don't know a certain economic life happens or whatever those parts in between can be pretty rough and also pretty pretty ugly yeah yeah just like those outskirts you know it's always the flip of a coin which which part you go to that looks better than the other one but um that was probably the first my first real experience was that Christmas time that, that like that week where I really absorbed the city and um, tried to kind of gauge how big it was and what the population was and what, what it was going to be like. Um, but even still at that time, I was so naive. I never really, I think until like 2016 or something after already having lived there for almost a year, it didn't really hit me that I had moved away, that I had moved abroad. So Wait, did you, you move here that? in 14 or in 15? Uh, 2015. Ah, I guess. Oh, so it's, this would be the fifth year then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah was true, August. because we played we played our first, we got to know each other in 2015 at our first yeah. concert. That's right. Yeah, August 2015. So we played that festival at Group and Grooves, yeah. Um, after after you finished university, or, or what was the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, yeah. So she, she was ahead of me and then um, was kind of waiting here and then, when I moved in, officially we moved to this um, Tegensee-Landstrasse yeah. uh, apartment, and um, yeah, this and it was like not even until way later that I really considered like, oh, I'm living here now. And so the first, <laughs> you know, the first trips and the first year and stuff was all kind of this hazy, you know, innocent, really naive time where I probably frustrated um, Ify beyond imagination with she had to, to handle everything and take care of so much, and I probably owe her. <laughs> a lot of money and a lot of a lot of sweet time. <laughs> um, I love the way. But yeah, it was really. Said again that we're not. A, we don't offer a video podcast. I love the way you look. You looked over over your shoulder where the door to your bedroom is while you while you said this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like eh, I don't want to get in trouble, but uh, she did a lot. <laughs> she did everything. So. <laughs> um. But but yeah, yeah, that first experience, even that first year was all really, really hazy for me. But everything's cool now. I mean, now it's all settled. Now we have this this great place and I really love the location and um, I'm just looking forward for, you know, COVID to, to mosey on back to wherever, whatever cave it crawled out of and let us Some enjoy the river. Some bat cave. Some bat cave somewhere. Fucking Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Batman's fault. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, probably I'll I'll leave you with that because I'm gonna try and do some some house cleaning before before dinner time. But um, before Ify comes home, yeah, confronts exactly. you with all the stuff she did for you. Like, the by the way, <laughs> you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. <laughs> like I know, I know. I'm sorry. No, yeah, no, and no. I'm that's cool because I already thought about um, ending this shit because i'm pretty hungry <laughs> yeah dude it's it's and uh the cool thing is you're still able to release this this evening is that po still possible yes i'll do all right so that's actually pretty cool for you guys that's it's uh 
we're recording and releasing on the same day, so it's real fresh, right into your ears, yeah. right from the source. Yeah, fresher, um, fresher than than um, Carol fucking Baskin's ex-husband. It's more fresh than Carol Baskin's meat grinder. (laughs) 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 Um, And Mm. as always, guys, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. And um, if you enjoyed today's show, please go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please uh, give us a good review or a good good rating. Or even just telling a friend about the show goes a really long way uh, in supporting small shows like us. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, Mo, thanks thanks for your time. And uh, I guess we'll talk next week. So thanks a lot, guys. Bye-bye. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.